It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. Today's guest has been playing the game for almost 30 years. A Washington native with a wealth of knowledge about the game and a good idea of where it's heading. He's been successful as a pro and now senior pro, often partnering with another of Selkirk's famed Seattleites, Glenn Peterson. Please welcome our lovable lefty, Jay Ripple. How are you, mate? I'm doing great. How are you doing, buddy? Well, can't complain. I think uh, as far as you can be good in this world, I'm doing, I'm doing well. How about you? What's, yeah, it- what's new up there? Oh, it's just been crazy with this whole coronavirus thing and getting through every day of life, especially with pickleball. It's been a challenge, but no, we're doing good. We've been playing a couple times a week. We found some courts we were able to use that were off the beaten path, so we didn't have anyone getting on us for playing, and uh, we've kept a, a nice group together. And now as we've opened up, we've uh, really started to play. So we've been playing three, four times a week. Wow. Hoping that some tournaments are actually going to happen. Yeah. What What are the odds of that, uh, do you think, up in the Pacific Northwest? Well, so far, everything's been canceled up here. And we don't know when. I don't think 2020, anything's going to happen. And even early 2021 with that international indoor that they just rescheduled. I don't even know if we'll have that yet unless there's you know a vaccine or something like that. But I'm working on it. Don't worry. Yeah. Sounds like some of the open outdoor tournaments are going to happen. I'm uh, Glenn and I, Glenn Peterson and I are scheduled right now to come down for the Newport Beach one in less than two weeks. So fingers crossed. Well, I will see you there. That'll be good. Yeah, I'm excited. It seems forever since we've played competitive pickleball. So I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I just, I haven't really done anything since March. And this will be the first excursion really out of the area. Yeah. I think we're going to quickly see which people uh, have been putting in the work or which people who have, have had, you know, are living in states that are a little more open and have been able to play with good competitive players. I agree completely. Because if you haven't been playing, it's hard just to turn it on and become, you know, in tournament mode right away. It takes work. And we've been playing a lot of pickleball for the last couple of months and getting ready for this thing. So I'm excited. I really am. Glenn Peterson and I are going to play together. So We've been taking on any and all challengers up here. So uh, Nick Williams, who oh. is also a Selkirk, good friend of ours. We've been playing Nick and a guy named Vegan, who's a good friend of ours. We've been playing the four of us a weekly match every Saturday. And it's just been battle after battle. Good. And uh, specifically to get us ready for this tournament. So I'm excited. Glenn's playing phenomenal. He's ready to go. I was a little nervous that he might not be able to make it with his wife, Paula, going through for treatments, but he said he's committed to playing. So I'm really excited. Wow, that's awesome. So you've been playing this crazy game since 92, apparently. Yeah, isn't that funny? So wow. I was working out at, uh, it wasn't even 24-hour fitness yet. I don't even remember what the name was. And I came in. Let's say 23-hour fitness, maybe. Yeah, 23-hour fitness. And there was people playing this funny game on carpet. I kept watching it. And finally, I went up and approached this at the time, he was probably in his 70s. He's this German old guy named Ewall. And some of your listeners probably know him because I know he moved 
I want to say either to the desert area or to Arizona, but he was amazing. And he was playing people 20, 30 years younger than him and no one could beat him. And I just happened to talk with him one day about it. And he handed me one of his paddles. And way back then, I think the only way you could get a paddle was Mark Friedenberg. Oh, wow. And we started playing and it was with a Cosm ball, which is Mm. this really light white indoor ball on carpet. First time I played it, I was hooked. That was back when there was no tournaments. There was nothing about the only thing we ever had was Mark Friedenberg ran an indoor tournament on the carpet and you either had A or open. That was it. But I played a lot of singles back then. And me and a buddy of mine, because we were both in the financial services. So we were done pretty much at one o'clock when the markets closed. We would play singles on that carpet for probably two to three hours a day for five days a week, literally, unless we had something we could make it. That's insane. That's no one plays that kind of, I don't think Tyson plays that much. No. And that was back when I was probably, I'm in my early fifties. I would say that was probably, well, 92. I was in my mid to late twenties. So. Oh, okay. Young, young whippersnapper. I was 10, just saying, I was 10 years old. Just, uh, It was a lot of fun back there. There just wasn't anything to go do uh, as far as tournaments or anything like that. But it was great exercise and great workout. And then eventually, you know, you start getting injured as you get older. So we had little nagging things. And eventually we had to kind of stop doing it on a regular basis. And then we lost the courts as 24-hour expanded. We lost one from three courts to two courts to one court. Then the doubles, you know, as the game started Mm. getting more and more people, we lost courts and we lost single time. So was back then was singles more of a predominant you know part of the game or was it just you two blokes going at it five days a week? Us two blokes going at it because at that time of the day not a lot of double players, but on the weekends there was the doubles. You know, Saturday and Sunday mornings there was a lot of doubles going on in there. It was pretty good doubles. I wouldn't say it's even close to what it is today. Again, you had like one or two paddle choices back then. It was either like the expensive one was 50 bucks. And I want to say it was graphite. And then there was even people playing with the wooden paddles back then. So it was, it was pretty comical. And all the, all the courts were lined with this hard white paint. So if it hit the ball, hit the, the line, it just went everywhere. It was crazy. Was uh, the soft game, was dinking a huge part of it back then? Or is it kind of, you know, more of a rocket ball? It was not a lot of dinking back then, but that ball was so soft, it was hard to put the balls away. So you did have a lot of rallies, but it was a lot of scrambling type stuff. But it was fun. I had a good time. And there were some good players back then. How did Mark get get his nickname Yoda? Do you, were you there when it happened? Or? I don't remember how he got it. I just remember always seeing him working out on the elliptical while we were playing. And then we'd try our hardest to get him to come join with us. And at first, it was a little bit hard to get him because... He was a little bit better than everybody, but eventually we got him to come play with us a little bit. Ah, good. Yeah, he was one of the first guys I ever played with. Yep. Pickleball Central put me in touch with him and, and Don Pascal up there. Does Don still play? I still see Don every once in a while. I don't know if he's playing as much. He's he's in the south end of, of our area. I'm a kind of up on the east north side, so I run into him every once in a while. You know, he's a super nice guy. Mm. He's still got game. He's, you know, recovered from his Achilles thing that he had it. Oh, Yeah. He blew his Achilles out at the, I think, the first year of the U.S. Open. Yeah, the the noise echoed around the around the grounds. Yep. It was, oh, that was horrible. I felt bad for the guy. Still, very unique style, old Don. Yeah, very unique. Very unique. Um, 
possibly the most unique. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break there from Jay for a quick tip from our sponsor. It seems like only yesterday that the game was dominated by teams that could outdink the rest. The evolution of the game and the arrival of top-level tennis players gave rise to the age of bangers, and with it, the need to defend against them. The objective of today's topic is how best to neutralize third-shot drives. However, a couple more precise objectives are test your opponent's movement. If you can play the block volley well, then you'll be forcing your opponents to utilize a movement speed that otherwise doesn't typically exist outside the singles court. Dictating the match style. If the soft game is your forte, then you can force your opponents to play that style of game, and you'll have a much greater chance of success. Very often, whichever team wins the battle to decide the pace of play wins the game. The next time you come up against a banger, try to implement some of today's strategies. And for a more detailed look at how to play the shot, check out our technique video on the block volley. Ah, oh, it's borderline genius that really, isn't it? Okay, back over to Jay. So, I'm curious, obviously you've played for almost 30 years now. How long have you been serving like you serve? You've got, you know, one of, if not the fastest uh, serve in, in certainly senior men's, um, if not men's in general. Has, has this been something you've always kind of pursued or did you change it? Well, no, I changed it. And the reason I changed it is because in my 40s, you know, you, I was still playing some singles. And I remember, I still remember playing you uh, at Freedom Park in singles, if you remember that. Really? And you had that serve. Yeah, you, you, I want to say you beat me like 11-2 or 11-1 or might even been 11-0. But I'm, let's not talk about that. But I remember your snap serve. And I said, I need to get my serve a little bit better because in singles, I had no shot against these 20-year-old, 25-year-olds. And so I just worked on kind of doing that snap a little bit more and to get a little bit more pace on it. And as I went away from singles, I realized in doubles, especially in mixed, if I could get my serve in with that pace and I can place it, I got a lot of free points. Mm. And so that's kind of where I've gone with it. So it's hard sometimes when I'm playing with partners I'm not used to playing with because I always tell them I'm going to miss some serves. But I also tell him I'll get him some easy points. And so, like, playing with Glenn is super easy. He doesn't care if I make yeah. the serve or not. He knows I'm going to make more than I don't. But every once in a while, I kind of have to back it off a little bit to make sure I put it in. But when it's on, it's pretty good. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I've watched your serve quite a bit. And, you know, you have one of the best serves out there, too. And uh, if not one of the best. So, I mean, I think you and I, we both go about it a little different. I mean, the... the the, the amount of energy we're trying to put into it is is similar. I'm I'm kind of trying to put X amount of topspin on it, but you're you're kind of yep. looking to bring it in hard and flat. Yep, mine's a flat drive. I'm just trying to get it over the top of the net, and so into the wind, I'm a lot better with my serve than with the wind. Right? Yeah, for sure. So because I just you know I'm not a tennis guy. I had no tennis background. And so I have a really hard time with topspin. So mm, I see. So that's kind of where that came about. And, uh, you know, I still keep working on it periodically to try to keep the pace on because when it is working, it is pretty good. But, you know, I can get a little wild with it too at times. I always fluctuate my feelings about, you know, serving hard because depending on who I'm playing against, it doesn't lead to a whole lot of, you know, points starting. So I think I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot to a large extent unless I've got, you know, other pros to play with. 
Uh, it ends up yep. being either a short return and a quick drive or a return error. And I'd, at the end of the day, I've played maybe you know, 30, 40, 50 less points than, than I would have if I just kind of got it in. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's tricky. I go more hard, really, with the hard serve when we're getting ready for the tournaments, right? So we're getting ready for PPA. Mm. So Glenn and I, especially with, when I'm playing with Glenn, and I'm hoping we play you know, more tournaments together, but we know exactly what we're going to do when we do it. And so we know if the serve's in, where the next one's going to go and how it's going to go. And we just kind of have that understanding. So it, oh, good. we've been working that quite a bit. Like a well-oiled machine. Well, you know, it's so easy to play with that guy. He's incredible. Plus, he's the nicest guy I've ever met in pickleball. It's ridiculous. He's, he's one of those people. I, I, it's almost tough being around him because I just you end up feeling like a bad person. And I don't think I'm a bad person. Maybe I am. I don't know. But um, No, you're not a bad person. Around him, you're like, oh, he's an angel. He is an angel. Oh, what can you say? He's a good man. Good for Selka. Good for the game. He's good for the game. He's truly good for the game. <laughs> are you surprised, and I, I know we probably shouldn't talk too much more about service, but are you surprised at uh, how many top players there are out there that literally just put the ball in and just, you know, there's just a way of starting the point? Uh, no, because, you know, you, you can't score a point if you don't get your serve in. So a lot of those guys, you know, I watch Ben Johns and Tyson, they very rarely ever miss a point, but that's because they're so good at the other aspects of the game. And I'll be the first one to tell anybody out there, I'm not a phenomenal tinker, and everyone knows that. So I try to create stuff with the serve to make the points a little bit shorter or to set up you know, my offensive game. But there's so many guys now who are so good mm. you know, with the, with the dinking and keeping the point rally going that if they know if they don't get their serve in, they have no shot to get the point. Yeah. So. yeah. No, I suppose there's always two schools of thought. For me... You know, I'm someone who wants to be able to use third shot drives and my best chance of getting a, a short enough return to, to warrant that kind of shot is going to be a, a deep, effective serve. Exactly. So I mean, my third shot drop is not notoriously brilliant by any stretch of the imagination. So I've kind of made my money on uh, on serves and drives. And that's exactly where, what I've done too, exactly. Good. Well, there you go. Good to... But, you know, you got the other guys out there who all will do the... Sh- you know, serve, get in, and then they do the third shot drop or exactly where they want to do it, and then they set their point up from that. I'm more serve hard, get a short return, and then full on attack. So you are a notoriously left-handed person. Uh, How long have you been doing that? Uh, You know, it took me a long time to figure out the stacking thing. (laughs) And once I did figure it out, I realized I'm much better on that side, you know, like with my forehand in the middle. So I'm always trying to find partners who like to play their strong side if they're right-hander. And it's, especially in mixed, it's hard to find women who want to play that side of the court. Mm. And and Kim, you know, Kim Jag is one who likes to play that side. And I love playing with Kim. But there's a lot of other women who don't like that side because they get so many balls. Yeah, a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. And there's guys, Glenn loves playing his side. And a lot of guys I've played with love that. Tony loves playing that side. So those kind of relationships really work. But mix has been kind of a tough thing to do. And so I always tell the ladies, you know, I can try to help you as much as I can, but 
it's I know it's not the side they want to play on. Have you considered the the Tyler Lung strategy of kind of hanging out so far near his line, making the dink life easier when it comes to him, and then kind of baiting people into thinking the middle is available, and then leaping like a madman into uh, into the void? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know if that would work for me. I don't know if I'm quick enough to do all that, but uh, it's definitely something I could consider. <laughs> Good man. So I'm not sure if we've talked about it, but apparently left-handers have faster reaction times than right-handed people. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost jealous. And I think it comes down to the right hemisphere of the brain being responsible for that uh, motor skill reaction job. And it's just a faster process going from the right side of the brain to the left side, you know, your arm, your left hand versus mine has to go from the right side of my brain to the left side of my brain to then control my right hand. Oh, I see what you're so saying. The signal just takes a little bit longer. So you guys have a real advantage. And I, I always look at it whenever I play against a lefty after three or four matches, I often realize that someone might be left-handed. And then it occurs to me, well, I got to stop I gotta stop trying to beat them in hand speed battles so often because it doesn't work as often as I like. Especially when I, I'm trying to often find that kind of right armpit, um, that sort of dead space up there, and yep. it's not where it should be when you've got a, a lefty in front of you. No, I get that's the one spot I always get seem to get attacked at is my right shoulder area to my backhand side. I've really worked hard on that. And I think I have a pretty fast paddle right now. And uh, so it's, you know, lots of people attacking there has made me pretty keen to when it's coming. So I think I'm pretty good at that, at that defensive part of it. So yeah, but again, it might, it might just be your brain. It might just be how quickly the, the, <laughs> uh, the brain is working. <laughs> No, you're you're still at an age where, and I think you're what, early fifties. Is that is that about right? I'm fifty. I just turned fifty four. Okay, all right. So you're based on. I, don't know, I, I like these kind of studies. Based on the studies, your reaction times won't seriously start degrading until uh, this sort of early seventies. So you get another twenty years or so of reasonably fast hand. Don't get me wrong; they are degrading, but only at a kind of linear rate. They're not. They're not, they're not dropping off too quickly. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping to play competitive, you know, for another five to 10 years. We'll see. It's such an ever-changing sport with all these new people coming in who are so good. It's it's amazing. It really is. And it's great for the game. Yeah. But, you know, you come to these tournaments now and you always know who, who the tough guys are going to be. And then all of a sudden you come against a team you've never heard of and you're like, oh my goodness, they are so good. And it, it's eye-opening. Yeah. I, it makes me nervous now. I used to think, I used to look at a draw and look at two players that oh, I've never heard of these guys. Not a problem. Who's, who have I got next? And I realized pretty quickly that I should not do that. Yep. Well, and you always looked at the draw and you always said, okay, here's a first round, usually the gimme round. And now there's no gimmies. It's incredible. Some of the first round matches you see, you know, on, on some of these big draw tournaments, mm. they're amazing. Yeah, I think I might uh, start just focusing on commentary and coaching. Yeah. And you're really good at both <laughs> of them, too. <laughs> well, it, it seems like the playing of the game isn't uh, likely to pay the bills quite as well as it used to. My main job in life, then, is just to reduce the amount of bills, I guess. I'm, I'm doing that, too. <laughs> All right, I'd say it's time to spice things up a notch with another episode of Morgan Evans Lightly Filtered. Pickleball has an increasing identity crisis. What does the sport really want to be? The good old game for one and all, 
or a professional sport that can attract and hold the attention span of a population without much of an attention span. We're trying to compete in an arena that we can't win. Tennis will always be more athletic, badminton will always be faster, and table tennis will always have more spin. So if we can't compete in those arenas, then why try? Why not try to attract the looky-loos with a part of the game that isn't owned by one of the comparable sports? Dinking is something unique, but is it exciting enough to keep an audience captive? Probably not. Dinking can only really be appreciated by people that play the game. And marketing a sport to its existing competitors is like McDonald's exclusively serving people who own cows. The kinds of things that are exciting that may indeed attract a wider audience are things like the Ernie, hitting around the post, fast hand volley exchanges. What if these things were rewarded in a point system that makes the game move faster? What if a shot clock started as soon as your team reached the kitchen? Either attack or be attacked. Either way, it's a recipe for exciting stuff. Imagine this. What if the game didn't exist and we put people like Ben, Simone, Tyson, Lucy in a room and explained the necessary dimensions of the court, the ball and the paddle? What would they come up with? I think it's safe to assume the game would look a little different. We live in a world where cornhole has a real chance of beating us to the Olympics. Why? Because it's relatable to the average person with a beer in a backyard. We can't all have a pickleball court in the backyard. So we better figure out how we're going to make it exciting enough to pick up real interest and therefore sponsors. I know, many of you right now will be thinking, the game is growing like wildfire, why change it? Well, it's growing like wildfire not just because of the game itself, but because of the hard work of many, many people to introduce and evolve the game around the world. Let's not rest on our laurels. Let's keep looking for ways to improve the sport. Every tournament I hear professional players say something along the lines of, eh, it's just pickleball. And I'm telling you, we will only know the game has truly arrived when we don't ever hear the word just. Well, that's arguably compelling stuff there. We better head back to Jay. I am curious, you're in the financial world. What? I, uh, yeah, I started in financial services back in 1993. And I've kind of taken a little step back here the last year or two and kind of wound some stuff down. But uh, I do still a little consulting with some of my higher end clients and mm. so forth, but not nearly to the level that I was doing. Nice. So is it, you know, shares, security, what sort of, uh, what sort of game are you in? Most of my business was individual stocks and financial planning, college planning and all that kind of stuff. I was never a big packaged product, which is the way kind of financial services gone with all the big firms. So I actually went out on my own back in 98 and uh, did my own thing and uh, was my actually, you know, an independent contractor. So I had literally no one, you know, kind of telling me what I need to do. Oh, and then perfect. it's kind of even that has kind of gone the way because all the liability out there with all the financial products available. So it's just kind of it kind of didn't get as fun as it used to be. Aww. So it was kind of a downer there for a while. So Wow, you found you found pickleball and that I and yeah. you know, I love pickleball. <laughs> pickleball and I and I do a few other things on the side. So I'm doing some of that stuff of new business ventures on my own. I haven't got into teaching or anything like that on pickleball, but I'm doing some other stuff. Ah, you'd be good. You'd be good. We could do a we could do a clinic together. You could teach people how to be left handed. And I could do the other uh, side. Yeah. Everyone kind of gives me crap about my swing and, <laughs> and my whole stuff, but I don't know if it's something I want to teach to people, but I love talking to people about pickleball. 
Perfect. Well, that's why you're here. You know, and I talk to people all the time and I'm always out promoting it. And I just think it's, it's such a cool game. And I like to think of myself as one of the first people to literally play on a serious level way back then because no one knew what pickleball was. I've been playing it for a long, long time. And Mark Friedenberg way back then used to have these tournaments down at the Seattle. When he moved it out of, it got too big in, in Bellevue. He moved it down to SeaTac Community Center. We had three courts. I think you came there one year, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I think I did. And that was so much fun down there. But we'd you'd start at, you know, eight in the morning and the finale would be going on at like two in the morning. <laughs> and it was just hilarious back then. The the amount of teams he had playing on like three courts indoors. It was it's just night and day compared <laughs> to today. I wonder if he's listening. Maybe I'll get him on and see if he can recount some tales. He's in town here. I know that because I see stuff on Facebook, but I haven't seen him this usually he comes and joins us once in a while. I haven't seen him all summer and it may be just the COVID is, you know, keeping oh. everyone close to home. Yeah. We used to always get some games every summer with him and he's always fun to play with and play against. He's another one that's always smiling and having a good time. Yeah. He, he's still got that kind of step back and slap. Yeah. It's a good shot. I remember him sort of pulling me aside once in a while up in Bellevue telling me, yeah, Morgan, you can, you can just build your game around never hitting a backhand. Just focus on every shot <laughs> being a forehand. And I thought, all right, I'm going to get a couple of other opinions on that, but it seems yep. to work for him. He keeps asking me, or he hasn't, I haven't talked to him in a while, but he used to always keep asking me, when are we going to play a tournament? When are we going to play a tournament? And I just <laughs> I said, Mark, we'll find one. We'll find one. And then I would still like to play one with him, but I just haven't been able to do it yet. <laughs> he would do well if he can pull you out. Well, I missed the desert play. I've been down there. I was, I had all my desert trips canceled this spring slash summer. And uh, are you guys playing it all down there at all? Or is it just too hot? You know what? It's There's still a lot of people at um, my place, Palm Desert Resort. There, you know, we've got 20 courts. And oh, I love that place. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? And, you know, this morning I dropped past there and there was probably at least six to eight courts going. So, wow. Yeah, and on the weekends, sometimes it's still full. It's it's incredible. And it's 100, I think it's 116 today. Um, so it's not shy. But these people, they're addicts. It's just, it's a, they are. it's a tribute to the game that people <laughs> rain or shine. I'm waiting for someone in the desert to build a big venue with a bubble on it so you can play yeah, would you, would, outdoor. Would you do that for us, please? If I had the money, I would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I win the lottery, I'll come do it. You and I will partner up. Oh, that'd be, that'd be good. That's, that's totally what I'll. <laughs> be a great thing. <laughs> it will start a no. Jay Ripple indoor pickleball fund, a GoFundMe. I love the pickleball down in the desert. It's always so much fun. You know, in, in the uh, PGA Superstore, they have room. They could totally set up a, a pickleball court uh, in that place. I'm going to bug them and see if they can do it. Yeah, a little air-conditioned comfort would be nice. Yeah, or even just, you know, a cover to stop the sun from cooking. Yeah, it would be good too. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll get working on it. If you could sort out this vaccine, I'll get indoor pickleball going and uh, everyone wins. Yeah, they uh, have had nothing indoor up here, anywhere to play. It's Everything's been outdoors. I think, uh, I don't even know if Pickleball Central is, is letting anyone come in there right now. We were all very sad when we, when we found out that Pickleball Station, those four courts, were going to become warehouse no, space. No, that was a real bummer. The dream is over. Glenn still has a key there, so we can go down there, but we haven't got to go just because of COVID, so we'll see. Well, we won't tell anyone when you sneak in. Don't worry. No, <laughs> no. And, and, and Edward's so nice to us, so it's great. They're great people. Yeah, the best. Well, this has been an honor and a privilege. Jay, we got to do it again sometime. 
Morgan, I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's such an amazing game to be, you know, in your 50s and to be playing this sport for exercise and camaraderie and the competition and to be able to make a little money here and there. It's just, yeah. it's, I pinch myself every time. And the other thing about pickleball is all the people are so amazing. Everyone is so cool. It's, it's just a great sport. You're a great ambassador. Selkirk's great. They've been wonderful. We're, we're living the uh, dream out here, aren't we? We literally are living the dream. <laughs> it is, it is a great sport. And I really appreciate talking with you, buddy. Wow. Thank you kindly, mate. We'll do it again soon and hope to see you down in the desert and see you in, uh, awesome. in Newport. Fingers crossed. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Perfect. All right, mate. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Thanks, buddy. Take great care. Be safe. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is powered by Selkirk. This podcast is also brought to you by the next generation of Selkirk Paddle, the Vanguard. I'm Morgan Evans, and this has been More or Less Pickleball. I'm shocked not more people are, are using them. Whatever that kangaroo or whatever the yeah, stuff yeah, they're making. Kangaroos. It's totally worth it.